Tune in and cry it out with me, DJ Susie. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. Forced errors for Richie Tenenbaum. He's playing the worst tennis of his life. What's he feeling right now, Tex Hayward? I don't know, Jim. There's obviously something wrong with him. He's taken off his shoes and one of his socks. And actually, I think he's crying. I think you're right. Who's he looking at in the friends box, Tex? That's his sister Margot and her new husband Raleigh Sinclair. They were just married yesterday, Jim. Oh yes. I've never seen anything like this. Neither have I. Strange day out here at windswept fields. Why'd you choke out there that day, Bummer? Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mm, mm, mm. Now that's Winslow Tea, a New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer, because that's how you know it's Winslow.
from the Winslow T. Broadcast booth in silent Bushwick, Brooklyn. My dang music isn't playing. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. You play now? There we go. Check this out. Opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea, because that's how you know it's Winslow. I'm drinking it right now. I got it iced here. You, you hear it? Mmm. Oh, that's that's scrum diddly umptious. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation. And thank you, as always, to the good folks at Winslow Tea for sponsoring this program. If you'd like to be part of the program, the phone number is 718 718- Six seven three eight two zero one, and as long as we're giving out phone numbers, Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored by My Choice Pharmacy, offering little to no cost medical braces. More information is available at eight four four five nine eight six six three nine. Has anybody in the race to the bottom community called that number? Let's have somebody call right now. Phone number 844-598-6639. See what kind of if I need I if I I don't think I need a medical brace, but if I needed if I had to choose one, I think I would get a knee brace. Cause I've I've had some knee pain before in my life. And also, just we'll get the housekeeping out of the way. And I I guess this this is like a put a parentheses around this. I don't think this is truly part of my opening monologue. So if if this is neither here nor there, don't blame Winslow T. Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by Peters Valley School of Craft. Peters Valley presents the Fall Craft Fair. Hmm. In Sussex County, New Jersey, Fairgrounds, September 25th and 26th. That's coming up. Get your carpool arrangements set. You've got a couple more weeks to figure it out. Visitors can browse and buy handcraft pieces from all over. Over 100 uh, exhibiting artists. Ticket sales supports Peters Valley School of Craft, fostering creative thinking through fine craft education programs and events. Tickets and information at petersvalley.org. All right. All right. So how's it going? What about what about that mashup? That's what you're wondering. Who'd we hear from? We heard from Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We heard the Hey Hey from 
I Will Survive, a song which definitely falls into the category of, of a song that I've heard enough times in my life. But I was in the grocery store and they were playing that. And I did hear, what is her name? Gloria Naylor. She really nails that, hey, hey. So I threw that in the mashup. I lived in Mexico um, in 2002. And I lived in an apartment above a, um, I lived just above a um, sex worker. And when she was getting ready for the night, she would blast I Will Survive over and over as loud as I've ever heard anyone blast. Well, my neighbor, um, who I've talked about on the show, uh, might have given a run for the money, but I'm very familiar with every contour of I Will Survive. We heard from Talking Heads, just the part where he says stop making sense and then the jam in Girlfriend is Better. I was out in the ocean last weekend, swimming in the ocean, one of my favorite things to do. Gloria Gaynor, my research team is on it today. Thank you, research team. Gloria Naylor wrote Mama Day and Bailey's Cafe. Great writer. But I was out in the background. You're hearing Bremer and McCoy. And I forgot to tell you who, who that was. That was Chris McGregor's Brotherhood of Breath. I just stumbled. I went down a rabbit hole and found some new music. And that's called R- MRA, not MRNA. Let's not even go there. Um, yeah, I don't know who this group is, but man, that it slaps. Do, can we, do we stop saying it slaps? I think we need to stop. Bremer and McCoy are in the background. House band for Race to the Bottom, even though they're not getting... I'm going to write them one more time to try to get them on the show. They're putting out a new record. Perfect time to come on the show, guys. So I was out in the ocean, swimming... And for some reason, I, I got the song Girlfriend is Better, but the, just the part that I put, the Stop Making Sense. But I like to sing, instead of Stop Making Sense, I like to sing Stop Miking Pence. Stop Miking Pence, Miking Pence. We heard from the, the like outro break breakdown of When I Think of You by Janet Jackson. We heard Jay Dilla's verse from Untitled Fantastic uh, from Slum Village, the Slum Village record, Fantastic Voyage, I think part two or three or something. And we heard finally from Royal Tenenbaums and my ongoing task of basically putting the entire movie in mashups, what happened out there that day, Bomber, which... I th- I thought of that unfortunately that scene when uh, watching Naomi. Shout out to Naomi. I hope she she doesn't have to play tennis. She she's brilliant and can do other things. But if she comes back and and does it, that would be awesome too. Been went to the U.S. Open on Wednesday and saw Djokovic, who is great, but I don't like him. 
it's kind of like we were trying to think of who it was like. Somebody who's, you have to admit that they're good, but you don't in, enjoy them. Who would that be like? That'd be a good topic. Speaking of that, Mike Vago and Scott Bonner are coming on the show next week, and we're going to talk topics. Very meta show. We're just going to, the sh- topic of the show will be for us to come up with different topics for a radio program. Because we all have uh, radio programs and podcasts, the three of us. Scott's got Steve Sachs syndrome on Asheville FM. Mike Vago's got Why Is This Not a Movie, which is a podcast, which is wonderful. And you're listening to Race to the Bottom. (sighs) Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. So sad. Love that dude. If you, I recommend, um, if you want to, uh, kind of honor Michael K. Williams. He he was on uh, WTF with Mark Marin, and Mark Marin reposted that um, this week. And it is, uh, it's pretty heart-wrenching, and, but God, he's so funny and great. Um, and I recommend it. How about that? As long as I'm talking about recommendations, floating action, our 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 buddy Seth Kaufman's got a new record out called Jinx Protecting. I gotta get him back on the show. It's it's excellent. Check that out. And do you check out Certified Lover Boy? I've listened to it. I haven't listened to the Kanye record because I'm boycotting him. I, I've spent hours, uh, probably a day of my life, if you put all the time that I've spent defending Kanye West over the years, but he pushed it too far for me. Like I've said before, he needs a whole album where he's just apologizing for the MAGA stuff. And then I'll be back on, uh, and then I'll start defending him again. And I know we have a lot of folks on the show who just love my hip hop content. Um, Mom, this this segment is for for you. I just did want to talk about one last thing, hip hop related. My mom tells me that she hopes I finally get over my rap phase. I was like, Mom, I've been listening to rap since I was like nine years old. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I've talked about, cause sometimes we freestyle on this show. I'm kind of doing, well, all right. Perfect example. I'm not really freestyling cause as my guests can see, I'm looking at my notes right now. So I wouldn't say this is a freestyle, but I've quibbled, quibbled, right? Quibbled or quibbled. Um, I've quit. I've hemmed and hawed over the definition of freestyle especially you see on on uh people will post like j cole freestyles on hot 97 and then you watch it and he's, he's obviously reciting verses that he's memorized and then it just happened again this this week i saw that they were saying common 
freestyles over beats by the RZA. Where is it? I'm finding this. Watch Common Freestyle over classic Raekwon um, and Group Home tracks. And this is on um, Facebook on OK Player. OK Player? Which is a um, like a conscious rap website that I've frequented for the past couple decades. And I wrote, I was, I was feeling trollish, but I actually sincerely uh, wanted to say it. So in the comments, I said, great performance, great performance, but isn't this obviously a written rap that he has memorized? What do we mean by freestyle anymore? And boy, did that uh, excite the uh, populace. This guy said, freestyle hasn't ever explicitly meant rapping purely off the top of the dome. So what is meant by freestyle is basically what it's always meant. Apparently you misunderstood the term. Usually cats will give you a heads up if they're trying to purely go off top. And then somebody else says, he mixes the writtens with the freestyles. Somebody else says, can we appreciate the freestyle without criticizing, please? Jeez. Somebody else says, come on, f- man. As Joe Biden said that. Come on, man. It's not a joke. Freestyle has included impromptu written verses stitched together over new beats for like 25 years. So I wrote back, if a freestyle can include written verses, then anything is a freestyle, I guess. I just, I was, <laughs> I was uh, very trollish. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm seriously... I don't know. Am I wrong? I might be wrong. But I think a lot of... Maybe I am wrong. But I think a lot of people think when they see... Look at Common Freestyle. They're like, wow, he's just making all that up as he goes along. No, he's not. It's all just different verses that he's done on different songs stitched together. Doesn't seem like a freestyle to me. Call me old fashioned. <laughs> All right. I really went down a rabbit hole there. Which you like you like this? That's what we're gonna talk about with my guest. Let's see how this mic is working. You there? Yep, I'm here. You might want to get a little <laughs> closer on there. All right, wait, hold on. Is that better? Yeah, that's great. Okay. How's it going? It's going well. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you my special guest, my friend Colette, my co-worker yes. at uh, a place that's a school <laughs> that we can't name. Um, how's it going today? It's going well. I'm glad it's the weekend. Yes. Yeah. You ever see that meme where they post um, Daniel Craig saying, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend, and he presents the weekend on saturday night live (laughs) no i'll do a search yeah (laughs) so colette is a historian yeah history geography teacher yes secondary school level yeah 
But you're also just a historian, I would say. What? How, yeah. How would you? <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's weird to label myself as a historian. But yeah, I'm really, I guess you can once you're a teacher. Yeah. To a certain degree. Um, it's an interest of mine. It always has been. And it's just been a, yeah, I mean, definitely with rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those, I will go down long rabbit holes. I read history books for fun and that sort of thing. I always think of historians, I think in my mind, as people who have actually done an extensive amount of research and authored something mm. specific. But I'll take it. I'll take the title. <laughs> it's kind of like before I was a teacher, I was a, uh, worked in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And when there there's a big taboo where you're not supposed to say you're a chef. Like people will be like, oh, you're a chef. And in the restaurant biz, you can't say you're a chef unless you are legitimately a chef, a chef chef de cuisine, right? The top dog. So I try to say I'm a cook, but that sounds like I like work in the Navy or something like on a (laughs) ship. So maybe there's that same stigma with like calling yourself a historian. I have no idea if there's a stigma associated with it. I just, I don't think I ever felt worthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think you might, you think you might one day um, just go down a rabbit hole far enough. And that's a, by the way, I buried the lead. We're talking about <laughs> rabbit holes. You think you might go far enough down a rabbit hole that you might pen a uh, an entire book on a, one topic or multiple topics? Oof, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'm planning on at the moment, that seems. But I, yeah. You're just trying to get prepared for your uh, next class. Exactly. <laughs> it's my second year of teaching. Yeah. So I'm still. <laughs> yeah. But the the way I thought about bringing you on for this topic is that this summer, you and I were both invited to a reading um, a backyard reading of Richard II, Nerd yes. Alert. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. we uh, There were nine of us mm-hmm. in a backyard in Brooklyn. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, by the way. I'm supposed to, it says on this <laughs> radio read instructions that I'm supposed to mention that you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn three times an hour, and I realized okay. I didn't do that. I haven't been doing that. I think you mentioned it once at the beginning. Yeah, I, I do it once. Yeah. But we were in the backyard re- reading Richard II, Richard II, <laughs> the sequel, um, and that's a history play. It is. And people wanted to know backgrounds on some of the different characters so they could inhabit the characters a little bit more. And you knew a ton about different historical uh, figures. It did. In the in the court, yeah. King's court. <laughs> it also had to do with the fact that I used to work a lot with Shakespeare. So I also have, yeah, explored that whole world quite a bit. And it's a time period. Elizabethan, Jacobean England is a time period that I teach as well. So, and the kids love the quirky, crazy stories. Mm-hmm. So definitely. And you mentioned that, so anyway, you were like, I've read a lot about this because... I went down a, a Google rabbit hole, yes. an internet rabbit hole, and you said it was one of your, um, I don't know if you said guilty pleasures, but it's one of your obsessions. It's 
definitely a pleasure. Yeah. No, I was actually, so I was, the article that I sent you um, the other night, which was, it was a New Yorker article called The Rabbit Hole, Rabbit Hole by Katherine Schultz. And she had a couple different definitions of rabbit holes in there. And I was sort of looking at that and thinking about that. And she had one where she was sort of just saying like in the Lewis Carroll sense, it would sort of be going down into like bizarre, disorienting alternate reality. Mm -hmm. But then it's come to mean something different and it could mean the kind of, I guess, guilty pleasure in a way thing where you're like, you spend an insane amount of time and energy in a way that might seem unnecessary or even a little insane. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of take the rabbit holes more. She did also describe them in a different way, which was this kind of the, to go on the Alice in Wonderland kick, this idea of becoming curiouser and curiouser Mm -hmm. and that kind of intellectual appetite and knowledge is pleasure. And that's sort of more where my rabbit holes, where Mm -hmm. I sort of end up going because I'm enjoying learning all of this different stuff so much. And then it's an associative thing. It sparks another question. And then I start looking at that and that sparks another question. I start looking at something else Mm -hmm. and I very much enjoy the whole process. I sometimes come out of it shocked at how much time has passed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are some um, examples of, of rabbit holes that, that you've (laughs) gone on recently or, or uh, some all time, all time classics. classics. Yeah. the first one that popped into my mind when you asked me this question, mm-hmm. um, I actually wrote it down so I could remember all the different steps. I took. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was during the pandemic when like so many, I was spending a weekend in my pajama pants, just like not moving and very isolated. And I started binge watching um, Kim's convenience, which is a Canadian show about this Korean Canadian family. Um, and there's a scene between it actually has um, Simo Liu, who's in the new Marvel movie that's coming out. Okay. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten. Oh, yeah. That I'm going to go see later. But anyway, um, it, there's a scene between um, Paul Sung-kyung Lee and Andrea Bang. Um, and he's playing her father. Mm-hmm. And he's showing her this kung fu film where people are fighting on the ceiling. And he makes a joke and says, oh, we should say that they're dancing Lionel Richie style because it looks like they're dancing. And she doesn't get the joke at all. And he says, oh, it's funny if you're old. So I immediately paused the show because I didn't get the Lionel Richie reference and looked it up. And it turns out that Lionel Richie had a 1986 album called Dancing on the Ceiling. It was the lead track. And the music video... Um, he dances with friends uh, around. It's basically, it looks like they're dancing on the walls and then on the ceiling of the room and then back around. And um, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a bizarre, I mean, it's a crazy music video. There's like Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield pops in, like Cheech Martin pops in. They've I'm, got these crazy cameos. I am very familiar with, with this song and uh video i did a actually when i turned 40 mm-hmm. um which is two years ago now i did a monologue about turning 40 and wove this song and video in throughout the monologue because i remember when my dad turned 40 they had a big party at my house and this song was 
playing, and as usual, I was the only kid around, and I tried to dance on the ceiling, like in the video. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. so you're very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, so I looked up this video, and while I'm watching it, um, all I can really think of when I'm watching it is I'm, I was really, really into older films when I was a kid. And by older films, I mean films from like the 30s and 40s. And I just kept imagining this scene with Fred Astaire um, where he's similarly dancing on the walls and the ceiling of this room. And I realized I'd never actually seen the film. I think I'd seen the clip in like compilations, like that's entertainment or whatever, where it's just, it's shown as one of those sort of great Fred Astaire dancing clips. And so I looked it up and it turns out that it was in this 1951 film called Royal Wedding. And the film was actually directed by the same person who directed Lionel Richie's music video. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Um, this guy named Stanley Dunnan, who was a director and choreographer, who's actually, who was the co-director of Singing in the Rain, discovering all this on my rabbit hole adventure, um, which he co-directed. And choreograph with Gene Kelly. So Lionel Richie must have been like, we got to get Daniel Dunnan for this. Yeah. If yeah. we're going to do it, we have yeah. to do it right. Yeah. And um, I ended up looking up the film technique. They mm-hmm. fasten the camera to one uh, a stationary place so that it looks like they're actually going on the walls and the ceiling. All the furniture is nailed down, but they're actually in a rotating box. So it's pretty complicated. Wow. Um, but they did it very well. Uh, So that was, I'm going down that thing and I realized I'd never seen Royal Wedding. So found it Mm -hmm. on Tubi where I could watch it for free. It's a musical comedy. It was actually the first um, film that Dunnan directed on his own. And it's got Fred Astaire and Jane Powell. And then Fred Astaire's love interest is this woman who I had never, I hadn't seen this actress before. Mm -hmm. So I looked her up and her name was Sarah Churchill. And it turns out, as I'm looking her up, that she was the daughter of Winston Churchill. Oh, wow. (laughs) Who was the prime minister of the UK um, from 1940 to 45, so during World War II, and then again from 51 to 55. This was made in 51, so he was, her dad was prime minister while she was- Nepotism, Making the film, yeah. (laughs) Can't say no if the prime minister's daughter (laughs) wants to be in your movie. Um, but no, she was a, she was a dancer and an actress. She made lithographs as well. She had like a whole different career. And then in looking her up, I found out that she was actually named for Sarah Churchill, the Duchess of Marlborough, who was, um, who lived in the late 17th, early 18th century and who was an ancestor of Winston Churchill and a favorite, um, one of the, she became one of the most powerful women in the country at her time, and she was a favorite of uh, the English Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. And I sort of something clicked, and I remembered I had seen when it came out. So I guess it was like 2018. There was the film The Favorite, yes, that was made by the Greek director um, Yorgos Lanthimos, and it's with Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. And turns out that Olivia Coleman is playing that very Queen Anne and Rachel Weiss is playing Sarah Churchill. Oh. And so that took me down. Yeah. And I and Abigail Masham, who's played by Emma Stone, is actually she was a cousin of 
the Duchess Sarah Churchill. So I sort of, I ended my journey there, but it was kind of fun to go from this Korean Canadian TV show all the way down to this Mm -hmm. 17th, 18th century English Duchess. And then back to the favorite. And then back to the, yeah, and then back to the favorite. That's great. (laughs) I was trying to think of what my rabbit holes um, consist of. Can a, a whole consist of something. It's it's the absence of something. what you you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I I think mine are a lot le- less fun than yours. <laughs> I think my biggest rabbit holes consist of me going on Twitter and trying to figure out how people think with whom I disagree. And That's so, a good one. I, I, and then I see, you know, what I, I'll, you know, the, you know, conspiracy people are just like weird libertarian people. And I just go and that's, and I'll see who they follow and who they're retweeting. And then I'll just kind of uh, wallow in the nuttiness and just try to figure things out and it actually it reminds me in the lead up to the Iraq war I um, decided that I was going to try to figure out what are what are people what is going on in people's minds here you know and and elephant in the room today is the anniversary 20th anniversary of 9-11 and then and our reaction to that, you know, Afghanistan happened and then that quickly moved towards this propulsion towards going into Iraq and freedom fries were being uh, not eaten. <laughs> freedom fries were being left on the plate and people were dumping French wine into the into the Potomac. And I was like, what is going on? So I decided my rabbit hole was I listened to only right wing radio. Um, I listened to a lot of Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and country music. Um, I was drive. I was in the car a lot at this time, and I ate fast food. <laughs> and I try. It was like method acting, and I tried to figure out what was happening. And I was very uh, unhealthy both physically and mentally during that time. And I didn't have a role. I, it wasn't like I was going to be in a movie. It's all good. I just <laughs> needed to do it. And I guess I kind of figured out the mindset, but I don't know. No, but I was actually, I was talking to my, to sort of just spin off of that. I was talking to my students the other day about that, about the importance of sort of considering other people's opinions and perspectives, whether or not you disagree with them or not. And while you were talking about that, I was looking up, I have a document that I've been building for ages. That's just like all of my favorite quotes that I write down Mm -hmm. the ones I can remember. And um, there's a bunch of quotes from John Stuart Mill and his thing on Liberty and that are just talking about the importance of, even if you very much believe that what you're saying is a hundred percent true, or you are very convinced of your own 
convictions, mm-hmm. um, you should challenge them constantly. And people are rarely 100% right or 100% wrong, but you can go and you can listen to other perspectives. And at the very least, it can help you to better understand why you believe what you do. Mm-hmm. If you are forced to come up with some kind of, to do some research to defend um, or to sort of go on the offense with yeah, whatever somebody yeah. else is throwing at you. Um, but it's it keeps things from becoming this kind of like dead dogma that you're just repeating and repeating without questioning it. And it is, it does, it is actually like when it comes to diplomacy, it's an important thing to just genuinely listen to other people's yeah. perspectives and try to find common ground, which sometimes there is. Mm-hmm. And the difference between empathy and sympathy and understanding where someone's coming from without necessarily having to sympathize with them and how that's an incredibly important thing in history and in the present day. Yeah. The internet complicates that a lot though. It does. It really does. (laughs) Because, you know, you've got trolls, you got people who are just posting about freestyling where they have their mind made up of what, you know, what, what, freestyle rap is mm-hmm. and they're just pushing people's buttons yeah you know yeah it's the idea of like you're you sharpen your argument by interaction with but then you just get into like on twitter you just have these people who are just locked into this high school debate kind of thing where they're not actually listening to each other they're just waiting they ne- for their turn they never admit they're wrong mm-hmm. and the arguments just get more yeah. Bifurcated and polarized. So I don't know. It's tricky. It goes back to my rabbit holes not being fun. <laughs> <laughs> I quit Twitter once already. I need I think I need to do it again. Or just follow different sorts of people. Yeah. Well Find no, I ways to, Oh yeah, I do yeah, follow yeah, yeah. as far as my follows, but then okay. I'll sir all uh You spin off on Twitter. I here. spin off, yeah. yeah. No, I try to keep my follows positive and uh wholesome yeah one of the things for me when i was thinking about this too is i was thinking with the rabbit holes i was i mean even that example that i just gave is something that i did over the course of a single afternoon day Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i i think that i also have rabbit holes that i go down that last a lot longer i mean like i i was thinking when i was um it's and i don't know if you could still call it a rabbit hole at that point. I don't know what the proper term Mm -hmm. would be, but it becomes sort of an obsessive thing where, so, I mean, speaking of the old movies, when I was a kid, we had this place on the corner called Video Vault back in the days of VHS tapes. (laughs) Um, And they had a TV above the checkout counter and they'd play movies. And my brother and I went in there one day and I think I was about 13 and it was on Golden Pond with Catherine Hepburn and Henry Mm -hmm. Fonda which I loved and we both, I don't know if it's a weird film for a 13 year old and an 11 year old to be stoked to watch, but mm-hmm. we sat on the counter and we watched the whole movie. And I decided that I thought Catherine Hepburn was just the best actress I'd ever seen. And so I decided I wanted to learn everything there was about her. So I started going to the library and finding all the books that I could find. I would go to Blockbuster and I'd rent as many movies as I mm-hmm. could. I figured out how to program the TV so I could record like Turner classic movie stuff when I was away at school and nice. stay up really late watching movie after movie after movie. And from that, I kind of pivoted off and then went on like a Cary Grant 
little mm-hmm. train. I ended up going on like a Lena Horn little, you know, like rabbit hole where I was just, I'd get really into each person and watch everything they'd ever done yeah. um, and read everything about them. And stuff would definitely spring off of that. Yeah. So it's just sort of, it ended up being a very continuous thing for a very long time. But I don't know if I can count that as a rabbit hole. Does it only count as a rabbit hole if it's within a contained period of time? Is there a limit? Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> that's like, com- you're a completist, right? Isn't that what people... Oh, is that a thing? Yeah, is yeah. that a thing? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I, f- maybe, yeah, well, I had a similar thing with a, a video store mm-hmm. uh, tracks that, and they would organize movies by directors or actors. Yeah. And so I'd watch all the Steve Martin or all the Mel Brooks, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I did a whole show on, um, how the internet has changed us earlier this year. And that's one thing that people kind of, I, I feel like those, whatever that is, a complete completion kind of like, I'm going to do this thing and see where it goes. I feel like that doesn't happen as much with the internet. Maybe I'm wrong because there's too much distraction. Like I'd be interested, I'd be interested in talking to our students and Mm -hmm. saying like, do you have an actor or a musician where you're just like, I need to do everything that, that they've done. And then you learn about other things through that. Yeah. I definitely did that with jazz musicians and, Mm -hmm. I even suffered through some movies that I didn't particularly like, but it was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 I have to get yeah. through this film because, yeah. 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 That's good. I like that. <laughs> if you want to be part of the program, the phone number is 718-673-8201. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. My guest is Colette. And um, I wanted to just play... What? A song real quick that I've been wanting to play just to clear the air and then we'll talk some more. This is Smokey and Miho. We'll listen to just a little bit of this. This is this is great. It's called Bocace off the two EPs. Race to the bottom. to the bottom hey it's me oh, i got my. a rabbit hole to talk about oh my goodness colette 
This is your doctor, my dad, Dr. Dad. Whoops. Oh, I, I've got to turn your mic on. She said hello. Hello, hello. I've enjoyed listening to your talking about history and British history. I, I, I lived in Hong Kong part of my life from um, <clears throat> when I was 11 to 16, so all those British people come to mind when you talk about that. Huh. Amazing. Why were you there? Parents were missionaries, <clears throat> and um, we couldn't get back into India. And so my dad said, well, and he applied to go there, so we he went there, and uh, that's where I lived for <laughs> those four years. Yep. I, Dr. Dad, I didn't know that that's, uh, I guess I never even, I never even asked why you uh, went to Hong Kong instead of India. Why weren't you able to get into India? Because of the well, partition and stuff? Yeah, you know, the British treated them pretty bad for about 100 <laughs> years, and uh, so they were kind of being careful about how many Westerners they would want to let into their country. And uh, so I think that's that's why that happened. Mm. So you said, uh, Doctor Dad, you had a rabbit hole to uh, discuss. Well, yeah, and it's quite um, very much in my mind today because the question, my rabbit hole, is why did we go to war after nine mm-hmm. eleven? What a what a horrible mistake it was, and uh, why did we do that? And it's been so. You know, such a disaster, I think. You and I uh, went to protest in D.C., and we got back to my sister's house in Fredericksburg and walked in the front door, and I heard uh, old GW on the TV announcing we were going in. Yeah, he didn't listen to was there 100,000 of us that marched roughly that day, and uh, he didn't listen to any of us. Yeah, there were protests and, uh, all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you, uh, so why do you think we, we, uh, we did it, Dr. Dad? Well, I, um, you know, the, the reaction to 9-11 was one of just affect and anger and, and so on. There was very little reflection about well, what's the best strategy? What do we need to accomplish? How do we how are we going to keep safe? And instead of uh, you know doing it that way, we just went let's go fight. And we uh, you know we um, we've spent uh, someone said four point uh, six point four trillion dollars fighting this war. And I did the math, and that's nineteen thousand dollars for every human every american in uh, is, has been spent and and it's we're going to keep spending more taking care of all our precious uh veterans and others that were wounded in that war and uh that's a lot of money we could have done a lot of st- good stuff if we'd have just spent that money uh and energy doing something other than you know killing other people we killed about eight eight hundred thousand humans uh, in in those wars, and that's a lot of people. Yep. What do you think about this, Colette? There was, I mean, it's it's a tricky one. I know that right after September 11th was, um, it was very, it was a scary time. I mean, I remember coming down the stairs. So I was 17, or no, 16 at the time. I was a 
16, 17 junior in high school. And um, my family is Arab American. And my mom was watching it and she was crying. And she said, there's going to be a war. There's going to be a war. And I went to school and I, for the first time in my life, was facing, um, I had one of my closest friends at the time um, come up to me and say, what do you think of your Arabs now? And used a bunch of... um, slurs wow. that I won't necessarily repeat. Mom lost a lot of patience. People um, wrote things on the wall at our house. Um, it was a really awful time. I wrote an w- article in the uh, school paper against the war in Iraq, and that kind of cemented my place as a an outcast for a little while there in high school. Um, it was people were angry they wanted someone to blame for the pain. It wasn't any one nation that had attacked mm-hmm. the U.S. It was this group that was really hard to pin down. Um, it was an extremist group that was not representative of the religion it purported to be representing. Um, and it's... I think that there were a lot of other motivations underlying why particularly they went into Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm-hmm. And this was used um, as sort of a, a, I don't want to say straw that broke a camel's back, but it was like the final thing that gave them the go ahead to do things that potentially they had already wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you were saying, the huge number of human casualties, there was like 48,000 of the casualties in Afghanistan were civilians or innocent civilians. Um, and it's 20 years and infrastructure destroyed in both countries. I mean, the countless deaths and then the discrimination that people, the hatred and vitriol that was directed at people here. I mean, the Patriot Act came out right after mm-hmm. and people were held without trial and FBI raided people's homes in the middle of the night and all of the stuff going on at Guantanamo Bay. I mean, it's been, again, I mean, it came out of a place of fear and I think, unfortunately for some people, uh, a chance to take advantage of certain things that they'd wanted to do in the past. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact answer of exactly what we should have done in response, but I definitely don't (laughs) think that those wars were the right answer Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. So, Dr. Dad, you, you, uh, I remember you talking about how, you know, you had gone through Vietnam and had opposed that or learned to oppose that war as it went on. And then you just saw the same thing happening again. Do you think we're going to 20 years from now, where, where, where are we going to be headed, headed into? Or that's kind of a flippant yeah. question. I guess, do you think, yeah. do you think it's going to repeat itself? Well, in a sense, um, we're, being, we're being attacked um, uh, not, not by terrorists, but I, I call them um, um, covertists. Um, and every, like... Every day now in America, there's a half of a 9-11 happening. Um, 1,500 people died yesterday from COVID, mm-hmm. and another 15 today. That's 3,000. That's 
that's a nine eleven. And we've had um, we we've had uh, about two hundred and eleven. If you do the math, how many people have died from COVID? We've had two hundred and eleven nine elevens happen to us because of this virus. Well, why don't we put the same or similar amount of passion and energy and and uh, investment into stopping uh, this from going on and on it's it's just terrible you know i don't mean to minimize the the horror of 911 mm-hmm. it was terrible but but it's 211 times that amount of people and when you're dead you're dead whether it's by a building falling down or a virus and so that's a lot of tra- lot of tragedy and we, we we don't have enough energy passion commitment to solving this you know what I th- I feel like links these um, our response to nine eleven and the COVID situation is we have a really warped idea about what freedom means in this country, <laughs> and we have a lot of people pursuing this this vision of freedom uh, that is is really kind of based in fear like you were saying colette yeah. and um pretty misguided I, I pretty juvenile idea of freedom well <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note i got it dr dad i gotta get ready for crime talk bk but uh you know I, as much as I, I was thinking maybe i didn't really want to talk about this kind of stuff today but i'm kind of glad we did um and I always appreciate your contribution to the show. And, well, thank uh, you. I, I, I've enjoyed it so much just thinking about history. It's, uh, we, we can learn a lot from history if we just spend time understanding it and thinking about, well, what, do, what, what does that mean for the future and how, how we should deal with things. Very true. Thanks, Dr. Dad. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. And thank you, Colette. Thank you. This is fun. So much fun. We'll have to do it again. Um, if you're listening to this on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or iPhone. If you like what you heard, you can uh, go to the website that you're probably on and uh, click the donate button. Sign up for our newsletter if you would like. We only hit you up once a month, let you know all the great things that are happening on the studio, at the studio. Um, on the station and um, we're going to close it out with a song a new song from our buddy friend of the show Tom Domena to hell with you Sam Malone this is about um, the character Sam Malone from Cheers and it's a beautiful (laughs) song Um, thank thank you Colette thank you it was a pleasure Uh, up next Crime Talk BK and you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn I did it three times Next week, um, we'll talk about topics. Have a good one. Bye. Well, I think I'll pop in for a beer. I think I might sit right. 
running, only running tears Hers the matter, Miss Lee But the hell will you them alone Always chasing them on Everybody may know your name And I'll go at it again At the end with his ammo You're always chasing the wrong It's how you end up alone So alone The hell with his ammo Good, right? Yeah, that was good. I think so. <laughs> I felt good about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. And that was.